Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you for joining me. And I am joined this morning from Paul Quinn College, Mr. Maurice West. He is a developmental specialist from the External Affairs Department of Paul, Paul Quinn College. Maurice, thanks again for joining us this morning. Hey, good morning, Chris, and thank you for allowing us to be a part of this amazing program. Well, thank you, too. And again, for those who don't know, Paul Quinn is making a statement and you guys have been doing a lot of big things. First of all, I have been knowing you personally for over 30 years, so I'm really impressed with the job that's being done down there. Can you start about and and tell people what has been going on recently with Paul Quinn? Because it's like, wow, I did not realize all these great things are happening at this college. Absolutely. You know, and first again, you know, the the college itself is 149 years old, founded by the AME Church in Austin, Texas, made a move from Austin to Waco, Waco to Dallas in 1990. In 2022, we will celebrate 150 years. And Chris, you know, in addition to just continuing to reimagine education, because that's our mantra, Mm -hmm. we want college to be educationally advantage-based for young people. We want it to be affordable for them. But we're addressing those unique unique spaces or things that sometimes get a little missed. You have to address their academic promise. You have to touch them where they are, build their skill sets, and then put them in a position where they can be successful being around people being, being in industry or being around certain circumstances that they probably had limited or no exposure to. You also have to address generational poverty because our kids come from unique spaces, unique circumstances, and they need to see life through a different lens. So the college took this time and uniquely we're supportive, prayerful, and positive about where we are with this pandemic, but it gave us a chance to look at everything we're doing and continue to improve it. Our our overall curriculum has been constantly addressed. We're strengthening the work that we do so it's relevant, it's content-based, and we're meeting the needs of the industry and the region. We have them with a business casual dress. We implemented that several years ago, but we want them to look the part, dress the part, think the part, write the part that that they would need in in the career path that they're interested in pursuing. But lastly, our landscape, our continual mm-hmm. work on the physical plant has gone through a full regutting. When we arrived, Chris, you know this from our time here in the city, Paul Quinn and Bishop College, the wonderful Bishop College, That's right. closed, unfortunately, in 1988. And when the college moved here in 1990, some, several buildings had been damaged. They needed to either be repaired or demolished. We took the higher road and decided, let's go ahead and, and demolish them, help 
environmental safety reasons, but we've gutted 15-plus buildings. We are putting new buildings on campus. We just recently built two of the newest buildings that were, God, almost 45 years Mm -hmm. uh, in the making. Uh, It's the first of its kind. We have a brand-new living and learning center, which is over 150 beds for students who are honors, those who are first-year students, to come, learn, engage, and interact with each other. We have a new special events center, which can be converted from a meeting space to an athletic space in a matter of hours to meet the need of the campus, but also support community projects and programs. We're asking and encouraging others to come to campus because of the program we're offering. And even more, we've looked at every building and given it a remake, a redo in some respects in all places and spaces, because while you cannot build, you can improve. But here's where it's gotten fun. We're now looking at the lens of what you can do in higher ed to partner with our local schools and community. Mm -hmm. So for the first time in this area and Dallas Independent School District was very excited to do it. We have a partnership with Dallas Independent School District to have an International Baccalaureate Academy on the campus of Paul Quinn. It is named the Dr. Frederick Douglass Haynes III Global Academy, which will cater to ages middle school and advance forward. We're going to push the agenda for them to be college-ready, marrying the curriculum, making it exciting to learn, but they're on a college campus now. What does that do? It makes sure the kids can learn and grow, but they get partnering in the projects and programs we offer. And then it didn't stop there. You know we always got to do something extra. Oh, yes. We, we partnered with KIPP Academy, and KIPP Oak Cliff will be moving to campus in 2022. Why? Because every student needs to identify with either a skill, a military career, or college. And we need to get them ready and expand their knowledge and excite them about learning. The takeaway is our students get to volunteer and share knowledge and ideas. We get to be an example for them. We get to partner on resources and ideas to help our community. And it's an exciting time. And lastly, we hope and believe that the community will be excited about it, but also bring more industry, more infrastructure, and more economic opportunities to the community. That is surely needs. This is so exciting. You're basically doing some transformative education, and this did not happen overnight. But I do know it kind of started, the transformation started when Dr. Michael Sorrell got on campus. Can you talk about his story and what he's meant to all the different projects that are going on there? Absolutely. You know, uh, Dr. Michael Sorrell started his his career or his professional pursuits, uh, moving to Texas from uh, Chicago by way of North Carolina Duke University as a corporate securities lawyer. Uh, Chris knows this because we worked out together. Yes. We played a lot of ball and yes, tried we did. to get strong and look good. Right. But it formed a great friendship. It formed an opportunity to share ideas and thoughts. And along the way, it peeled back the layers of his passion for equaling the playing field for young people or communities. His family loves education, committed to education, and specifically committed to higher education in the HBCU circle. Mm-hmm. So when given an opportunity to serve on the board of trustees several years ago, it turned into an opportunity to give, serve, and support. But in the need where leadership was a little bit challenging, he was asked to step in. He was working with uh, the the NBA to build a franchise in Memphis. It didn't quite work out. 
But he took the opportunity to grow the college, looked at the strategic plan, blew it up, honestly, just completely gutted it, and looked at, first thing first, what can we do that's going to make it better and more financially lucrative for the institution? Got rid of football. Mm-hmm. You get rid of football in Texas, that's oh. almost like a death sentence. Yes, I, I know there were people losing their minds. Lost their minds. Now, <laughs> between us, you know, he'll, he'll jokingly say, and I'm sure in the future he'll make this more of a joke than I, the football team was loaded with potential, but the lopsided score, <laughs> it bled the institution of yeah. resources. And you can look at it through the lens that, is this the best thing for us? And he said no. And a lot of people said if we don't do this, you could change the course of the history of the college, i.e., we could have closed. Mm-hmm. That's just brutal honest for the for the listeners. Mm-hmm. The college could have closed. Yes. But he stepped in, mapped out a new plan. The blueprint is being followed. We also took that same field that people were playing on, and today we are able to provide fresh fruits, vegetables, and even poultry for families in need. Wow. We, we do about 20,000 pounds of, po- of produce every year with about 20% of it being donated to families in need. We serve the local restaurants, community partners. And while we don't play football anymore, we do provide food for America's team. So a lot of our food product goes right out to the Dallas Cowboys and AT&T Stadium to help with what they're doing. And so we never lost touch. We just pivoted. And, and you know so what's so exciting. wild about that story about the Dallas Cowboys? Because I remember back in the day when it was Bishop College, yes. the Dallas Cowboys used to donate cleats to the football team. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a number of uh, there's a history. alums. Yeah, there's a number of alums who work for the, uh, the stadium in different roles. Mm-hmm. George Wasai is a great partner yes. in his work. And so he is outstanding. They, He's for those who don't know, George Wasai is the guy that handles all of the concessions, the catering, all of the food services for AT and T Stadium, and he was also there at Texas Stadium. He is partners with Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. Amazing man, giver of all time resources and support, and we're just thankful for that partnership. And and what George and his team does, they come out to campus and volunteer. But instead of a football team, as mentioned, we're now thinking about healthy food options. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about how you sustain your life. So that while they're sitting there and they're cheering on America's team, they're looking at the lens of how I can stay healthy and I can stay energized, just like those athletes, to walk, run, play, and enjoy themselves while they come to the campus at Paul Quinn. And another added bonus, Chris, is that on the campus we also know that we have a lot of acreage. we got 177 acres. We're looking to expand it. But we've created, in addition to the buildings, in addition to the work of new, new property, we've also added a walking jogging path. So when people come to campus, the students can matriculate on and walk around campus. It's safe. It's lit. Call boxes. Things that make it feel wholesome. You know what's wild? We're excited. It's very exciting because – Paul Quinn College is now a jewel, a diamond in the southern part of Dallas. And I think a lot of people or just had heard things, but they didn't know more details. So I'm so glad you're joining us, Maurice West. Maurice, can you talk some more about some of the uh, awards and accolades that the uh, school has received, and especially Dr. Sorrell, too, because he's an amazing person who's received all kinds of awards nationwide. Absolutely. You know, we have been featured in every publication you can imagine because we've addressed it as shared earlier. We're looking at and through the lens of 
what does higher education need to offer young people in the way that is going to be both learning friendly, affordable, and advancing? So whether it be the New York Times, the Huffington Post, the Washington uh, Post, and others, we are always in front of the uh, discussions about mm-hmm. what makes it better for them. But they've awarded the college as the HBCU of the year. We've been innovators of the year. Our student government has been awarded. Dr. Sorrell has gotten a number of awards to address the needs of community, affordability, addressing the curriculum, and just being a great transformative leader. We've also looked at it through the lens of outreach programming that we do. One of the things that we're, we're constantly tweaking is how we deliver the product to our young people. We require them to come in the summer months that help them to bridge that gap between what the high school experience and also the college uh, readiness programs should afford them. And so we've been recognized and also celebrated for that. But here's the unique thing about it, Chris. While we are trying things, and it's unique because as a private institution, people don't know this. You can try things a little different than what the public schools because okay. you have strict rules and requirements mm-hmm. and compliance. We can try it with board approval and support and the president's vision. And if it's not quite right, you can tweak it. You can make that adjustment so it can be user-friendly. Because even though it sounds good, sometimes you might not meet every need out of the gate. Mm-hmm. So we're open-minded and available to change. Last thing, we're affordable. We're a $17,000 a year institution because we know that certain students cannot afford to pay the huge debt that they encumber in going to college. Yes, that student loan debt is something. It's horrible. And, you know, we married a relationship where we are now one of uh, the nine corporate work program partners in the United States. There are eight of them that are urban schools. And what they do within the work college program. If you think of it, I jokingly say it, it's like work study on steroids. If all of us had work study in, in, high, in college, you know, you might have worked in the fitness center, you might have worked in a business office, you might have been the DJ for the, uh, for the events on campus. What it does for us now, we work with urban partners and we are working with Fortune 500 nonprofit school districts to help our students bridge the gap between what I didn't know when I exited high school and what I'm going to need to know before I exit college. So two days a week they're in school. They're going to class. They're getting a rigorous, aggressive program. But two, two and a half days a week, they're in a corporate setting where they're learning. We prepare them with onboarding on what the culture is expecting of them, how to write, read, spell, and even dress effective. But when they're ready to go, and we hope within the, within the first semester or year, Chris, by the first semester year, they're exiting to work at corporate partners that are around this region. And a number of thanks to all of them for being there for us, whether it be uh, Big Thought, Chase, uh, AT&T, and others. They take these young people and help us to grow them. The end game is when they graduate, mm-hmm. they could seek a job. They might qualify for employment right there. Or then lastly, they're even prepared to look at grad school, a gap year to go to prepare for law school, medical mm-hmm. school, whatever their future is, we've excited them with the idea that they can be whatever they want to become. That is absolutely amazing. We're talking with Maurice West of Bishop College, excuse me, Bishop College, Paul Quinn College. You can tell how long I've been in this town, right? I've been through absolutely. the transformation at all. 
I'm so enthused by your enthusiasm, and I really like the way you talked about the partnerships. Can you talk about how the partnerships might have actually helped the growth and speed up the development of Paul Quinn College? You mentioned the, 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 the pivot that was taken. Oh, absolutely. You know, it started, and just to give a little context, it started because we were looking at ways for our students to get more preparation and more experience so they can be just as uh, prepared and competitive in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So you talk about the schools we were recruiting at, and there's a Crystal Ray network of schools. learned about it, what they were doing. We learned about the corporate internship program through the Department of Education, and we just fell into a wonderful relationship, and Dr. Sorrell uh, created this with Mayor Harry LaRossier out of Plano. He loves the college. Mm -hmm. He has encouraged others to love the college, and the corporate community got behind us. And then from there, it just opened up pathways. The students are able to learn from industry giants. They're able to get those soft skills and those tough skills, those critical learning platforms that they need in order to be successful. But then the crazy part is, instead of just being someone to walk in the door and get a job and get trained, they're now training the ones who enter the doors. Yes. But most importantly, their career paths and their potential for advancement are so much broader and so much brighter. They know where they want to go. They understand what it's going to take to get there. We've even married, and I don't want to forget this one, we've even married study abroad experiences to it. So when you think about the change of the institution, the mm -hmm. physical, the academic curriculum, the way you look, the way you act, the way you speak, the way you write, sure. we, must, we must make sure that our students are prepared. We cannot assume that they have it. We must make it personal and affordable and engaging every step of the way. And we're excited about it. Yes, the world is a global village and corporations have locations all over the world. And the students who attend Paul Quinn College have the opportunity to work anywhere. They are prepared. With that being said, can you talk about some of the challenges for the students who wound up going to Paul Quinn? Because everybody, sh it seems like all the students, they have the opportunity to go there. But then, like you said, some people just say, oh, you just go to Paul Quinn. No, some of them come from challenging backgrounds, but they were sharp as a tack in their elementary and middle school and high schools. Sure, sure. You know, the, the hidden statements or the hidden communicate that doesn't really get touched unless you personalize your recruitment process mm -hmm. or just get to know your students is that while they might have a 4.0 and a 30, 31, 32 to get them qualified for the institution, the hardest conversation that most will have is how to pay for college. Right. And sometimes that's the one that intimidates or it actually scares the life out of the student and the families. They've never had the resources to put it away, set it aside, mm -hmm. and also prepare for it because they're living day to day. But most importantly, they're afraid of that encumbered debt and staying mounded on top of them for the next 20, 30 years. But they also need to be prepared for how they qualify for scholarships. We address all of that. We find those diamonds in the rough. We mm -hmm. go after that student who has a fire in the belly. They have great academic records. They just need a little bit of help. And that's why our tuition is a little bit less and very affordable for all families. You qualify for the federal aid. You receive some support from the institution. You can apply for external scholarships. And if you walk out of college with less than $10,000 worth of debt, 
your life is changed. Yes. You can afford to live yes. and, and grow and plan to own a house, uh, a decent car, uh, buy some really nice attire to kind of advance and improve your wardrobe, or just save for those rainy days that you never know exists, but you've got to be prepared for them. You know what's so wild about this, Maurice? You're, yes. you're, you're, you're touching on so many lives for people who are listening right now because that's almost one of the biggest dirty little secrets about education in America today is the student loan debt. Oh. There are people in their late 30s still paying off their student loans. They're doctors. They're yes. lawyers. There are all kinds of people who got their degree and thought they would immediately get that six-figure job. They might have got it, but half of it was paying back the student loan. Absolutely. You know, six months out, they're coming after that loan, that loan money. That loan debt has yeah. to be satisfied. And you don't get to pick and choose how it's structured. They're going to base it on the, <laughs> the monies you're picking uh, that you're bringing in every month. And they're going to pull a certain amount. You can negotiate a certain amount that's still manageable. But the negotiated implies, okay, you're going to pay it every month. But you could be paying it, as you just mentioned, for 20 years. Yeah. Worse than a car years. note. <laughs> Right. It's and crazy. So, and so you never, quote, unquote, level up. You're paying for family. You're taking care of the needs and responsibilities. But most importantly, you're having to live with that because it's, it's something you signed up for. Mm-hmm. But the responsible one, you know, naturally you continue to grow and improve. And we tell them, don't be afraid of it. Just know where you're deciding to go to school. How much is it going to cost you to attend? But also what career path you're pursuing you need to have that amount of money to rebound after you paying off your loan debt. So it's some serious critical conversations that come into play throughout the recruitment process, mm-hmm. throughout the matriculation process. And sometimes, Chris, even after they graduate, we stand behind our alums. We stand behind our community to support them if they need to reinvent themselves. They want to add some skill to their, to their plate. You can always come back if you are a part of the Alumni Association and reinvent yourself and just add to your wheelhouse. We support all of it. Our community, we want you. We want you to come visit campus when opportunity presents itself. Go online to the website. You can go Google it or you can go to www.pqc.edu and see our story and know what we're trying to accomplish so that the North Texas region is strengthened by us putting our young people in positions where it's personal, affordable, and it's also going to be engaging. It's absolutely amazing how Paul Quinn College has transformed itself, again, from a struggling struggling institution to a diamond. I can't say it's a model of transformative higher education. Can you talk about when you felt like you guys are actually making the traction and when you felt like, okay, this is actually going to work? Because I know whenever – you transform an institution, especially one that was struggling, it's like, oh, my goodness, it's almost like we're living check to check. Can you talk about when you felt like you guys finally had gotten things under control and you're going to make you're going to be able to make it? The, the people were going to respect what you got done and love the ideas that you were doing. I think the biggest thing of it, Chris, and, and you, you led with this about the relationship you and I have. Mm-hmm. And again, I thank you for being a voice and being a supporter of the institution for well over 30 plus years, even through the Bishop College years. Mm-hmm. Those things made a difference. When you have advocates in the community who speak for you that will tell your story or support your cause, 
where it's never been done before, it's being done. When you have consistency in leadership, when you have consistency in your people that work, support, and engage, that matters. And then you can provide some transformative change because if they're in and out, up and down, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't allow for you to grow. It just allows you to operate. When we decided and when the institution was fortunate, to have Dr. Sorrell, our board, and the leadership that we have to be in place and consistently push the agenda and address the needs, then you start to turn corners and address more than just day-to-day operations. You're looking through the long-term lens of where will I be in 10 years, where will I be in 20 years, and what can I do that will impact this region? And we got there over the last 15 because of great people like you. Well, appreciate you, uh giving me uh, a little props right there, but I want to give you props as well. You've been with the school. How long? Tell us how you got involved with it and some of the things they've had you do over the years, because I I think you're such an advocate yourself for the school. Well, I thank you as well. I, my story is unique. I am a Paul Queen college graduate, uh, graduated in 1991, right as the college moved from Waco to Dallas. I was Mm -hmm. finishing, but I was a education and uh, history major. So I matriculated, and I had to do my student teaching in the, in the Dallas area. And I stayed involved even after I left and went to graduate school, came back. I've been back on campus 13 years, uh, largely because of my personal commitments as well as the institution's need for consistency. Mm-hmm. I served in a number of roles. I recruited. Uh, I still recruit. We all recruit. We would go, we, we'll go to IHOP and recruit a kid. If, we, if, they, if they're smart enough to go in there and serve food and be engaging, we think your customer service and your personal touch can take you to corporate America. But we also go after relationships. So I started with the recruitment process, went from there to the student programming part, because we want to make sure that they are retained, they're growing, advancing. I have a multiple role, although I uh, introduced as a development specialist in external affairs, which puts me in front of corporate, community, uh, the church, anyone that wants to hear and, and know our story. I also have a, another role as the dean of men, and I'm working hard to provide resources, programs, knowledge for both the community and our young men so that we can keep them in school so that they can grow and advance because we know this. Sometimes they're the ones who want to go in for 15 minutes, go and get a great experience, and then exit out. Why? Because they're hustling and they're aggressive on the idea that they want something now. We're telling them this is a marathon, not a sprint. So I've served in these roles with the level of pride and commitment that those who were Uh, my instructors and my administrators gave me to give them something and never quit on them. You mentioned pride and commitment. I know there's got to be a story or two of maybe a person or individual, uh, a young lady or a young guy that you're so proud of because they either overcame an obstacle and has had tremendous success in the, in the business world, or they did things that just were so exceptional. He's like, wow, I'm so glad they had uh, some time here at Paul Quinn. Absolutely. You know, I met, uh, and I could talk about several, I met a young man uh, who has carved his niche in the North Texas area, Mr. Nehru Witherspoon. I met him uh, during some return to the state uh, after graduate school. And, you know, a young man out of Phoenix, Arizona, has done some amazing work, was a, a leader on campus, and transformed the relationship he had with 
both the students and the faculty and staff into one that elevated his profile, mm-hmm. exited, went off to law school, and has created an amazing practice that does a lot of good things for both the state but also the country because he has locations around. But he's a giver. He's giving back to community, but he's also giving back uh, in the sense that he's creating a community center around this, uh, the area. I think it's ready to open. It'll be opening up very soon. He is a great one, and there are several others. They are doing fantastic work. Can you talk about the sense of pride that a lot of students who graduate from Paul Crane have? Because, again, your enthusiasm is apparent here on the air. And I've run into so many different people. When you say Paul Quinn, it's like the head's on a swivel. It's like, yes, I yeah. attend to Paul Quinn, or yes, Paul Quinn, that's my school. Right. You know, there's, you know we're, we're, we're a historically black college, and in the culture of the HBCUs, there's a pride that can never be matched, understood, or even uh, uh, described unless you lived it, mm-hmm. but you can embrace it. So there's some things we tell them. You know, it's like Paul Quinn Saturdays. When you're wearing your gear, if you don't wear it during the week, make it a part of your weekend attire. We tell them that it's a part of our community fabric for you to be one that speaks well of your institution, give back to your institution, but also encourage and, and, and recruit other young people so they have that similar experience. And so there's a, there's a growing pride that has transcended through the southern sector that has now pushed all the way through the region. Mm-hmm. We're going out, we're, we, we use the hashtag nation building because nation building says that we're going to touch every community every student, every family. We want to know you. We want to know your dog. We want to know everything about you (laughs) because then we can serve you better. You know what? You mentioned uh, you know your students. It's like a big family. Can you talk about some of the students you you have on campus over the years who are not from the North Texas area? I'm sure there have been students there from all over the world. Oh, absolutely. We, We recruit students from all over the country. We have students that have come as far away as Russia. Mm hmm all over Africa, even uh, some of the West Indies, Haiti, and various other parts of the country, uh, I mean, a part of the world, because, again, you can come to school and meet the needs of your educational promise by just pouring in. We have a very diverse community. Uh, Again, it doesn't matter what your color is. It doesn't matter what your background is. Are you interested in learning? Are you passionate about being developed? And yet some are so young, and they are formidable in that experience. They just need somebody to touch them. They need someone to pour mm-hmm. into them. And once you get here, there's a number of them that return to their communities, and they go and they grow. And we're excited about that. Go back to your community and strengthen it. But because of the opportunities that are afforded in the North Texas area, many of them stay mm-hmm. because they have a relationship. We treat it like family. But most importantly, because of those partners in the corporate work program, they give them opportunities that, you know, they might not have been exposed to or probably wouldn't have been available had they not come to Dallas and come to Paul Quinn College. Exactly. And there's so many major corporations who are either based here in Dallas-Fort Worth or they're moving here. The, the growth here in the North Texas areas is tremendous within the corporate Brand. world and corporate America. Um, and speaking of all the different things going on, over the last calendar year, once the pandemic began in 2020, a lot of educators and educational institutions had to make a pivot. They had yeah. to start doing some virtual learning. Could you talk about some of the things that you guys had to go through and maybe some of the things you learned and they're a part of what your curriculum is today? Sure. You know, one thing that was um, 
probably easier for us. We were doing a hybrid program uh, prior to, so we had a number of classes that were both online and in person. Mm-hmm. So the the work in academic affairs, our leadership team did a fantastic job of making that pivot so that the students didn't lose any time. We didn't lose a lot of time in making that transition from the in-person to the virtual. The only unfortunate part was we weren't able to see them. We had to be responsible, keep them safe, and put them at a place where they would be home, they could be quarantined or safe uh, throughout the, that time. We we looked at every lens. You know, there were provisions made for them to have laptop computers. They were afforded the uh, the, the hotspots, so they constantly learned. Um, our, our fiscal services supported them by the reduction of some of those outlying costs that they really did not need to do and uh, and pay. So we learned a lot through the lens of what helps them to learn. And so if the class needed to meet with a second alliteration a little later in the day, the professors made themselves available. Our student programs, we didn't stop even offering and affording them the experience of student programming uh, because we needed to make sure that what they experienced in a virtual space represented and uh, and resembled to a large degree what they would in person. I mean, Chris, we had the Miss Paul Quinn College pageant virtually. Wow. <laughs> Okay. So and the they college, still were stunning, and they still oh, were outstanding. Absolutely. And, and the judges was, were still tough. <laughs> oh, yeah, everything. You know, the students, you know, you use the, you use the online voting processes. Mm-hmm. But to your point, you're right. They, they were required to look the part and not just have your, quote, unquote, uh, camera-ready photo in the Zoom uh, or the, the WebEx portal so that you could see them. No, we wanted to see you. We wanted to engage you. Our Greek letter organizations. They were all doing programming to make sure that the students were engaged. We did movie nights. I hosted several movie nights for the students throughout the wow throughout the period of time mm-hmm. because they couldn't go out to the movies. They right. probably wanted to have some experiences. They probably didn't even have the resources. So you know what I did? I did as simple as uh, went on to uh, Amazon Prime mm-hmm. or went to uh, Netflix. Netflix, and I just I linked it up. Yeah, I, you know we we found that way that Netflix was doing it. I made it available to them. We had 150 one night that joined in on uh, movies of all type, and you know whether it be uh, something funny, something knowledgeable, or just something to connect. Our staff, our students, even families joined in. I told them like like Terrell Owens said back in the day, go get your popcorn yeah. and come get ready to have a good time. And so we made sure they knew that they mattered. Frequent phone calls were even extended. So we didn't want to lose one step with our students because retaining them and growing them and even graduating them, we still have to graduate you even through a yes. pandemic, Chris, because we know this. When you exit, the world we live in will slowly get back to normal and we will be expected to still deliver. So we didn't take any we didn't take any soft roads or any easy routes to preparing them. We told them you still have to be ready to get up at eight and go deliver. You and know we what? Expect that of them. Oh, th- this is so amazing. Again, I cannot thank you enough for joining us, Maurice West, developmental specialist with external affairs of Paul Quinn College. Can you tell anyone who wants to get in touch with Paul Quinn College or find out more about Paul Quinn College? Is it online? Uh, the website? how they can contact you, because I know there's a lot of people who still would love to partner with you, and there's a lot of people who would love to have their kids go to college there. So 
one of the first things they could do, certainly as mentioned, if you go to the website, uh, pqc.edu, you can look, learn, and even understand some of the unique things that, they, that we offer, programming, and all the unique facets. We are a liberal arts institution. Our strengths are in business, education. We have a number of programs that address their needs in the uh, community or social services. We do that through what we call legal studies. Uh, we have communications. We also have a degree in fundraising and philanthropy. We are partnering with a number of different companies and groups that do work in the space of finance, business, uh, online readiness, and all the like. And so within that scope, we are always looking for the student that wants a unique experience, personable, and very engaging. And then also, we want to uh, support them with every resource we can. So if you go online, you can look at what we do from a programmatic end and an advancement end, but you can also apply. You can apply right there. It takes a few minutes to get online, get registered, I mean, get uh, admitted. Mm -hmm. And then we take you through the processes of acceptance and ultimately getting you ready for the semester. You can even come and we can work out certain classes or certain programs that fit your need or to address your concern. And so if you have a unique way you want to learn, we might do it through an entrepreneurship program. Or we can tailor make some of the program to fit you and what your likes and interests are. If you want to be a barber, come on, be a barber. Everyone needs a haircut except <laughs> me. But you can, also, you can also learn how to own the barbershops. Yes. You don't have to necessarily – you know, work them every day, right. you can be the owner of it. Exactly. So we are talking about Business. how you can do generational wealth and transform your family and community instead of just getting a job. Fantastic. Maurice West, thanks again for joining us this morning. We must do this again. Absolutely. You let me know whenever. We'll have this as a part two to the Paul Quinn College experience. And we're joined now with Carol, Carol Breeze. She's the RN and Senior Clinical Advisor for Invection Prevention and Diversity. How you doing, Carol? I'm doing awesome, Chris. How are you? I am so glad you're joining us this morning. The reason why is school is about to start. And I know you know about all the little kids headed back to school and how they need to prepare not only for their teachers and getting their minds right, but they've got to be careful out there. Can you talk about um, what the kids and what the parents might need to do to get keep their kids healthy this school season? You know, Chris, that's a great question. And, you know, we have a really interesting school year again uh, due to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, even in the non-COVID world, there are many things that children and parents can do. I think the parents and teachers, first and foremost, really need to encourage good hand hygiene and respiratory etiquette. And what do I mean by that? First, you know, we teach our kids to cover their mouth when they're coughing or they're sneezing uh, because when you cough and sneeze and you don't cover your mouth, mm-hmm. it's amazing how far those um, droplets from your sneeze or your cough will spread. It's very, very forceful. So we can teach our children to cough and sneeze into the crux of their elbow or the bend of the elbow. Right. And you know what? If they forget that and they just sneeze in their hands, then the next best thing is to teach them to use that hand sanitizer um, and cleanse their hands, singing the ABCs um, at least twice 
and really, you know, rubbing good for about 20 seconds each time. One of the other things that we need to keep in mind is our kids are hoarders. And, yes, they you know, are. They don't throw anything away. <laughs> absolutely right. They don't. So, you know, the older kids might stuff things into their lockers or the young children might stuff things into their uh, into their desks. And all of a sudden there's a funky smell and, you know, what's molding and rotting inside that desk? Maybe it's that leftover bologna sandwich that, yeah. you know, could be a couple of weeks old. So we really want to encourage the kids uh, at any age to take stuff home and not keep food in their lockers. And, you know, for the, for our older children that are really going to gym classes or mm-hmm. our kids that are involved in sports and they're showering and, you know, take those towels in your soiled uh, sports clothing home so they can all be washed. And the school staff and teachers should be using disinfectants on all the surfaces that the students might be touching to kill those pathogens because as we touch surfaces, there is the potential risk of cross-contamination. You know, it's so wild. It's, what's actually ironic is, you know, we've been going through the pandemic for over a year now, and I mm. think the things that you're talking about are the things that kids and parents have been trying to keep up with over the years anyway. It's just like simple, helpful things. Can you talk about, since it's been a, a whole year and a half now, that, that parents and kids really know about hand sanitizer? In fact, I think there's a lot of schools that asked you to bring hand sanitizer in your school supplies. You know, my grandchildren, even before the pandemic, um, were bringing uh, hand sanitizer and disinfectant wipes into the school Uh to help the teachers uh, clean and disinfect the classrooms. Mm -hmm. And even before COVID, let's face it, there were a lot of different reasons that cause absenteeism in schools. The common cold, which is caused by rhinovirus. Uh, Let's face it, influenza. Um, You know, we didn't see a lot of influenza last year for a number of reasons. Part of it was because kids were maybe doing school virtually, mm-hmm. or if they were in school, they were wearing a mask. I mean, the numbers for influenza were just down around the world. It's amazing. And then there's other viruses such as um, respiratory syncytial virus that affects young adults and even infects adults. And, you know, they can have symptoms similar to a cold. And another big virus, uh, or significant virus, I should say, is norovirus, which causes diarrhea. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's nothing fun about having diarrhea in school and not making it to the restroom fast enough. We're visiting so, with Carol, Carol Abreese, the RN and Senior Clinical Advisor for Infection Prevention Adversity. And it's perfect timing again to have you on because school is starting up and everybody's trying to be as safe as they can be. And you told me a little earlier, we were having an off-the-air off conversation, that you lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for about 11 years. I did. I lived down in DeSoto. Look out. Were you a, a part of the school district or were you a school nurse? What were you, what were you doing? Oh, no. At that time, I was in the medical device industry. Okay. So um, I, I 
covered Texas and, you know, the surrounding states. Mm-hmm. And, but, uh, so I was based in, in Dallas for a number of years. Exactly. And, you know, like I said, this time of the year in, in Texas, it's always very, very hot. And you mentioned to make sure the parents, make sure the kids who like to hoard stuff, bring stuff back from school. Don't leave it in the locker. Don't leave it in your desk. But all the kids have backpacks. How much should the parents check those backpacks? You know, ideally, um, they should be checking it every day because let's face it, they're going to be checking to make sure their kids have their homework assignments done. Right. So they're probably in that backpack for a number of reasons. Uh, And then when they're in there, they can be checking the backpack for uh, uneaten food Mm -hmm. or maybe they stuff their gym clothes in there and uh, then they can, you know, get them washed when they pull it out of the backpack. Can you talk about the kids that go to see the school nurse, because I remember my kids going to school nurse all the time, and I was going to school nurse, and what the school nurses have to watch out for this year? You know, the school nurses I have really taken an active role um, last year as well as this year. The school nurses are going to be watching for those children that have signs and symptoms of COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, do they have a fever? Do they, did maybe all of a sudden they lose their taste? Mm-hmm. And gratefully, gratefully, a lot of the younger children have not been adversely affected by COVID. But we are seeing a shift with the new Delta variant. So we need to really, you know, keep this in mind. School nurses have been doing what's called contact tracing. Mm-hmm. So if the uh, child in maybe a seventh grade classroom, uh, they have science together and then they rotate or change uh, classrooms, that school nurse is going to find out who else that child has been in contact with. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to notify the parents to say, hey, you know, this your child was exposed to another child. You're going to have to quarantine that, you know, your children for the next 14 days. School nurses have also been actively engaged in testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did some um, interviews with one of my colleagues a few months back, and it's amazing how much they've been doing. And then it, they may also be engaged with helping to ensure that the school staff and the teachers, well, they're part of the school staff, mm-hmm. are, are actively um, disinfecting the highly touched surfaces within the school. You know, you mentioned within the school. I just thought of something. What about the kids that ride the school bus? Can you talk about how they can stay safe and healthy on the bus? Because you know how kids are active on the bus. They won't even sit in their same row. Well, one of the best things that can be done, uh, they're going to be wearing masks, but crack the windows of that bus Mm -hmm. uh, during um, transportation. You know, going to school, coming back from school. And then, you know, the school bus companies are also doing a lot to clean and disinfect those surfaces. Some of them are even using what's called adjunct technology. So after they clean and disinfect, then they're bringing in uh, a UV light, a UVC light for that extra added assurance to make sure um, if cleaning wasn't as you know, great as we would like it to be, the UVC will help also kill 
any pathogens that may be on the school bus. Okay, so we're trying our best to keep things clean. And again, we've been doing this for over a year and a half now in all Mm -hmm. walks of life. What can go wrong? What can possibly go wrong in cleaning and disinfecting? Oh, Chris, there's a number of things. Well, first and foremost... Take your time because we're paying attention to you. Okay, first and foremost, I mentioned earlier about those other pathogens like rhinovirus and norovirus and RSV. One of the things we really need to make sure is that the disinfectant that is being used has claims for what's called enveloped and non-enveloped viruses. Mm -hmm. So rhinovirus, for example, is a virus that is more difficult to kill versus influenza, which is easier to kill. It's easy to remember because E is for easy. So enveloped is easy and non-enveloped is not easy. So that's one example. The other thing is when we think about the chemicals that we're using and how we're applying those chemicals. You just don't spray a disinfectant on a surface. You have to clean the surface because that cleaning process helps to remove the uh, uh, organisms from the surface. And then the other important thing is making sure that the contact time is being met. So you have to look at the label and read to um, make sure what the contact time is. Is it one minute? Is it three minutes? Or is it a 10-minute product? And if you're using a product that is a concentrate and needs to be diluted, Mm -hmm. you also want to make sure that it's diluted properly. So some chemicals such as a quaternary ammonia compound, uh, which is a 10-minute product, um, can have anywhere from a three to a 10-minute contact time. And if you're using a cotton cloth to apply that, sometimes, um, depending on the quality of the cloth, uh, if it's cotton, we can see what's called cloth binding, where the ions from the cotton and the ions from the uh, cloth, they bind together, and it sort of neutralizes it out. So that's why we've started to see Um, some schools purchase products that are newer technology, uh, one of them being what's called an accelerated hydrogen peroxide uh, with a one-minute contact time. Let's face it, there is more cleaning going on today in the schools because the schools, I think, are now taking a more proactive approach instead of a reactive approach. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Prior to all of this, they, they might have only been cleaning once a week, mm-hmm. or now they're cleaning more frequently, frequently, like every night. And then during the day, they're uh, also cleaning the surfaces. So those are just a few things that uh, can go wrong with cleaning and disinfecting. Now, you know, one other thing is, depending on the product, it might be a product that is actually uh, requires a two-step process, one for the actual cleaning, and then the second step is for the disinfecting process. So, again, you really need to be sure that you're, you're reading the label and making sure that you're following the steps that the manufacturer has described on the label. 
We're talking with Carol Calabrese, RN and Senior Clinical Advisor for Infection Prevention and Diversity. And, and Carol, you know, when my kids were pre-K and younger, I always had wipes. Always had wipes in the car. Always had wipes around the house. Because I don't know about your kids, but my kids always had sticky little fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was wondering how well those wipes work. And by the way, I hear your dog in the background. What's your dog's name? Jack. What kind of dog is Jack? He's a two-year-old Australian shepherd that I just adopted from our no-kill shelter where I volunteer. Oh, that's so nice. That's so great. Yeah. You know what? Pets are so important nowadays. They really are. They, they actually, with a lot of people working from home, I have found out that pets are a calming influence with everybody. Oh, talk about decreasing your blood pressure. Just pet your dog. Yes. Or your cat. Yes. So back to the wipes. I want to know how effective wipes are. I'm not saying they're the end all, but I know when my kids were really, really young, we always had wipes around, especially in the car, because they were their fingers just stayed sticky. They're always just grabbing stuff. Well, you know, again, when we're talking about their fingers, we're talking about antiseptic wipes. So mm-hmm. they're impregnated with alcohol. They're very effective. Um, those wipes, just like using the hand sanitizer in the classroom. Hopefully today, schools are have hand sanitizer as you enter the school. Yeah. So so the children and teachers and staff can be performing hand hygiene as they enter their building and as they leave. But I've also seen where they're placing hand sanitizer dispensers as you enter each classroom. Because as you said, sticky fingers, kids are going up and down the stairs. Mm-hmm. If they're moving throughout the school or maybe they went to the auditorium or maybe they just had home ec class and forgot to do hand hygiene because the alarm, the bell was going off and they had to rush to the next class. So then when they get to the next classroom, then they can perform hand hygiene. So whether it's the uh, gel or liquid dispense or a hand sanitizer wipe, it's awesome. Just promote good hand hygiene and making sure that you're getting uh, the tips of your fingers Mm -hmm. and between your fingers, the top of your hands and the palms of your hands. You know, a lot of kids have after-school activities, if not sports. It could be the band or it could be cheerleading mm-hmm. or it could be it could be all kinds of programs. Do you have any advice for the after-school uh, teachers or coaches to what they can do to help the kids keep their hands clean and help everybody stay as safe as they can and still do all the things they want to do? Well, think about it. You know, um, some sports are outside, like football and um Band and the the band may be rehearsing outside mm-hmm. along with the cheerleading squad, and again encourage them to perform hand hygiene. And the other important thing is keep your equipment clean, whether it's your um, your shoulder pads, your helmet, whether it's your basketball, and also think about you know wrestling is a great indoor yes. sport. But we need to keep those mats clean because pathogens, mm-hmm. um, one pathogen called a Staphylococcus aureus that can become resistant, uh, known as methicillin-resistant Staph aureus, can survive on these mats for, for months. And what may look like a spider bite 
initially can actually wind up being a uh, staph aureus infection. Mm. So cleaning those mats after practice is crucial. Help to keep that locker room clean, as I mentioned earlier. And then, you know, naturally the staff will go in and clean and disinfect the, the showers, uh, the shower stalls and the benches as well. So, you know, keep, be responsible for your own space or, you know, own your clean is what I'd like to say. Okay. And we can teach the, the young children K through 12 at this young age because hopefully mom and dad are also starting to teach good habits at home for keeping their rooms clean and helping keep the family room clean and cleaning up after meals. You know, I really appreciate all these tips you're giving us. Is there anything to think about, like, uh, as the season changes? Because, again, this is like August and September, and it's still hot down here in Texas. Mm-hmm. But, it, but you know, it's going to start getting cooler. Are there things that we should be aware of to maintain or to to add a little bit to it once, once we get towards, you know, the fall and the winter? Well, that's a great question because many of the pathogens that I've talked about, Chris, uh, there's a seasonality to these pathogens. So rhinovirus and influenza, as we know, we're going to start getting into influenza season, generally October through the end of March of each year. You want to make sure you're getting your children vaccinated and, and you as adults should be vaccinated as well. Mm-hmm. Again, a norovirus can be seasonal, but some things are not seasonal, such as E. coli-157, which can cause nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. And sometimes it comes from improperly cooked meats or maybe vegetables that hadn't been washed properly. Again, there's no season for methicillin-resistant staph aureus. Uh, RSV season uh, actually came during the summer. You probably heard about the outbreak in the southern states. Mm-hmm. It's usually a, a winter uh, virus that we see. But again, because once we everybody started not wearing their mask, all of a sudden we started to see outbreaks of RSV. So again, typically we start to see that in the fall through the winter. So I think we just need to encourage everybody to be diligent with hand hygiene practices and also keep your hands away from your T-zone, which is your eyes, your nose, yes. and your mouth. You know That's what? I'm glad you brought that up. I'm, Carol, I'm so glad you brought that up because sometimes subconsciously, especially kids, especially if they're sitting at a desk at school, they'll be like rubbing their eyes or they might be mm-hmm. their forehead. Now, you know, in high school, that could lead to, uh, you know, pimples. But, you know, <laughs> your face getting all greasy or dirty or whatever. People just got kids that's got to learn to keep their hands off their faces and their eyes and stuff, right? Well, yes. And it also, by doing that, it also helps prevent pink eye. Yes. Um, that's something we didn't even talk about. But mm-hmm. it will help prevent that. Our children have been so adversely affected uh, by virtual learning. They've lost a lot of you know, contact that they really need mm-hmm. and have been impacted mentally. So I think we really want to encourage our um, the adults to foster this uh, positive, clean environment. Um, you know, we uh, 
teachers can develop what's called clean crews mm-hmm. uh, in their schools. And diversity is rolling out a clean crew, um, I don't want to call it a program, but it's really designed to help encourage, especially our K through 6 uh, children, to own their own clean by being, and the teachers can be le- leaders to remind them. And, you know, we have a lot of tools that teachers can use uh, in their classroom. And they can uh, get this information, the Clean Crew t-shirts and buttons, by going to sdshc.com. That stands for Solutions Designed for Healthcare.com. Again, sdshc.com. Or they can uh, email Martine Diamore at diversity.com, and she'll be glad to send you those tools. Excellent. Carol, thank you so much for the tips just in time for uh, the beginning of school. We've got to get you back on again. I would love to join you. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. For sure. And thank you for listening to Better Living. I'm Chris Arnold. Be sure to tune in next week as we highlight other organizations and events happening right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So long, everybody. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.